Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back in better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Jam-packed on this Tuesday, we will hear a Tiger's Tale live in one hour. Is he playing this weekend? Maybe he gives us the answer. Plus, everybody hates the Browns. The Lakers need to go away. And three words, rock, chalk, Jayhawk. It's a title Tuesday. Let's do this. Here we go. Only one place to start. The madness continues. Westwood One, NCAA Radio Network. And the last number one seed is the nation's number one team, Kansas, for the fourth time in school history. Men's basketball national champions. Ah, congratulations to Bill Self and company, the Jayhawks, as you heard there in the in the cut. They were the they were the one team that got there that everybody expected, and they wind up sealing the deal. And in studio with the Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise, is my buddy Tim Legler. We will do plenty of NBA conversation with him, but we will start with that game last night, Legs. And I, we talked about it on TV this morning. It, it's fascinating. This team, the Miami game, which was in the Elite Eight, they weren't behind nearly as much as they were last night, but they were similar. They go on a run, and they just knock your block off in the blink of an eye. Yeah, and Carolina's a team that, that's got more talent across the board than the Miami team, too. Right. So not only are you down 16, you're doing it against a team that's got that kind of talent yeah. and physical size. And they came out, and they, I thought the first four minutes were critical. When you're in that situation, you've got to come out and you've got to reestablish some momentum right away. And it looked to me, once they got Carolina back on their heels in those first four or five minutes, Carolina started to think a little bit too much. They started to think about maybe the opportunity that was slipping away. They now had a hard time executing offensively. Kansas smelled that, turned up the heat. And what was so impressive about Kansas to me, they got major contributions from so many different people in the second half alone. Uh, You know, they they don't win that game without the shooting of Remy Martin off the bench, Mm -hmm. flat out. They don't win the game unless McCormick and Christian Brown take over the paint, basically. They don't win the game without the contributions – You'll have Harris at the start of the second half to get them a couple of baskets. So I just was so impressed with their balance, their depth, and the fact that they did not doubt themselves at halftime. They knew they were the better team. They came out and established that pretty quickly. And and last night uh, in that shutdown defense they played in the second half, Hembo just gave me a stat. The two games we're talking about, Miami, which was the Elite Eight game at the United Center, and then last night for the title against Carolina. In the second halves of those games – Kansas allowed a total of 44 points on 17 of 68 shooting. That's 25%. That is great defense more than anything else. And they held the starting Carolina backcourt to 10 for 41 from the field. Caleb Love, 5 for 24. We know about he had a tough night. And, look, he's one of those guys, and people are going to sit there and question Caleb Love. The bottom line is this. He's like a bowling ball that you roll at the top of the hill. It goes downhill. You can't stop it. He knows one speed, one way, all the time. Sometimes that's very fortuitous because he can do things with NBA talent as a scorer at the college level. But some nights you're going to question maybe shot selection, time and score with Caleb Love. But the bottom line is, and Hubert Davis knows this, you can't turn that faucet off. You have to roll with it no matter what. And and Caleb Love, in, in a lot of ways, shot them out of that opportunity I think with some quick shots he was trying so hard to get it all back but give Kansas defense credit for being physical not giving them any freedom of movement or any space 
to get going. Manic as well. He was a critical guy. I thought in the second half when they needed a couple of buckets, he was nowhere to be found either. Greeny and Legs presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Call or click today. One more thing on this. I, I was on uh, the morning show this morning with the guys, KJM, and they asked me this. Uh, and, and, and for those who don't know, Tim follows the college game closely. I mean, you, you are as into it as anybody I know. Um, in, in, with now the departure of Mike Krzyzewski, there's sort of a void in the sport, right? Who is going to be the new face, the new uh, person in, in, in college basketball, if you will? Bill Self with a second championship. The consistency has been remarkable since he got to Kansas. They are the winningest program in the sport. They've been a four-seater higher 18 consecutive years. Is it him? Is he now the preeminent coach in the sport? Well, I think that program you'd have to look at for sure. I, you know, it, it's interesting. You fe- it felt incomplete until he got another one. Right. right. Every year they've got these great teams. And every year they've got teams that are in the running. We talk about them as having a shot at winning a national championship. But they hadn't gotten it done in all those years. 14 years since they did it. And now that he's done it again – now he, he feels more complete. The program feels more complete, and maybe it is his place. And I also think Hubert Davis, you know, when you do that in your first year, I think what that does for recruiting is guys sitting back and looking at the way Hubert Davis connected with his players, the way he cared about his players. Every time he opens his mouth, he says something really intelligent about how his team is going to play. And you look at the career that he had. So guys that go to Carolina, they want to play at the next level. And now you've got a head coach that did it. So I think Carolina is another place to look going forward. What this could do to set them up for years to come with their recruiting base going all the way to the national championship game in his first year as an eighth seed. Yeah, and I mean, Jay Wright comes to mind. Oh, no, no doubt. John Calipari, obviously. And then to me, Tom Izzo sort of occupies the space. He doesn't have the runway. I mean, he's, I don't know exactly how old Tom is. He's got to be right around 70. Um, but for however long he's there, to me, he's he sort of occupies part of that as well for Coach K. Okay, so that's the college again. Congratulations to Kansas. He's, I'm sorry, 67, Bubs? Thanks. So he's 67 years old. Okay, that said, let me get some NBA with you here. Um, we had a fascinating conversation with Magic Johnson yesterday. He was uh, on Get Up With Me, and I asked him a question about the disaster that has been the Lakers' season and how, how much blame for that LeBron James deserves. And he said a really interesting thing that I did not see coming. This is what it was. When I think about it, the blame that he's got to take is the fact that DeRozan ended up in Chicago mm. and not with the Lakers. Expand on that thought, if you well, will. Well, because that DeRozan LeBron? wanted to play for the Lakers. And when I got the call from his agent, I called the Lakers said, hey, he wants to come home. And DeRozan could have been a Laker instead of a Bull. We could have made that deal. But when Russell and LeBron and them started talking, that's when they nixed that deal and went with Westbrook, and he became a Laker instead of DeRozan. So there you have that. And so, Timmy, give me the straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. What was your first reaction when you heard Magic say that? Well, first, it was fascinating just to hear the specificity of that, right? Normally, you hear all kinds of hypotheticals about guys in the summer, and you never really know what happens. Like, we dealt with this with Philly and Portland all summer. Like, and finally, I'm I'm like trying to pound people to find out, was there ever a proposed trade for C.J. McCollum and Ben Simmons, right? Because it's talked about constantly, but you don't even know if they got to that point. So to hear in that detail, that that actually was something that would have happened if they had signed off on it is really fascinating. There's no question 
he would have been a better fit than Russell Westbrook. And that's not even in hindsight. If you asked me that at the time, I would have told you that. Now, having said all of that, I don't necessarily think that makes the Lakers a contender if DeMar DeRozan ended up there because you still have to deal with all of the games missed of their star players and the rest of that roster, which I think was too many veterans, too many guys that make their impact by scoring, right, and guys that are past their best waiting for the postseason because the regular season to guys when you have a roster full of 30 somethings all they want to do is get to april 15th the problem is in the west that means you can dig yourself a hole that you can't recover from so i don't know that DeRozan alone would have changed the lakers season they probably wouldn't be in the play-in but i don't know that i would consider them a team that could beat phoenix straight talk wireless no contract no compromise the one thing i'll say is he went on to say there we we didn't play all of i mean it was a long conversation because when he says that, you hear me say, can you expand on that? That's another way of saying, wait, what? Right, exactly. <laughs> um, but, but he went on to say that if they had done DeRozan instead of Westbrook, they probably still have a bunch of other pieces they had to trade away. You know, they still have Caruso, and I forget who else he said. But Yeah, and he even mentioned Caruso possibly for Buddy Heald was uh, maybe yeah, in th- addition th- And then they go get DeRozan. Buddy Heald. That's exactly right. Now you're reminding me of the conversation I had. So it's not just... Uh, DeRozan instead of Westbrook, but it's maybe a little bit of a different team composition. Well, it's fascinating now to picture the composition of their team if it had gone that way, particularly when you look at the disaster that this season has been. I mean, it could not have gone worse. The fit, the roster construction, and then the health of the players at no point that I look at that team and think, man, these guys are really having a good time out there. I mean, I've never seen a more miserable group in my life. And at some point, there's going to be the sweet release and the mercy of getting into the summer and, and putting this behind them and thinking about next season, but obviously major changes coming to that roster. And who knows what happens with Frank Vogel. It's unfortunate. I think he's going to get more blame than he deserves for the hand he was dealt. Right. He's going to get fired. Uh, anyway, Legs, one more thing for you. So we had the monster trade this year, Simmons and Harden, and in neither... You know, it, it's been fascinating, but right now neither team is going into the playoffs making the world say, oh, there they go, right? So I'm not, let me ask you this. Which one of them will last longer? We're going to start the Eastern Conference playoffs next week. We're going to be the play-in, which the Nets are going to be in, and the Sixers are not. So taking everything into account, which one of those two teams' season lasts longer? Wow, that is a great question, and I'm, I'm shocked to even be saying that. It's To me, that's a close call. That could be a coin flip. And if you would asked me that question a month ago or right after the trade, that's a no-brainer for me. Philadelphia is going to go deeper into the postseason. I just don't like the way that they look. I don't like the way James Harden looks physically. He is not winning that matchup that's in front of him time and time again. He's not an, a, a, an unbeatable offensive force anymore. Why? He, I think it's because of attrition, man. The usage rate and what he's gone through in his career It's just very difficult for him now to put that first defender in his rearview mirror. And everything he does is predicated on that because now it sets up a step back three because you got to give him space. If you do get by him and that guy's now out of the play, here comes help. There's a pocket pass. There's a lob. There's a kick out three or there's a finish. He's not doing those things consistently because that first defender is still on his hip as he gets into the paint. Everything now is more difficult for James Harden. And people in Philadelphia are very concerned. They they are not on solid footing heading in, despite the fact that Joel Embiid has been this dominant. Their bench is incredibly thin. They get almost no production off their bench offensively. And on top of it, James Harden doesn't look like the same guy at his peak in Houston. 
So now I say it's a coin toss when you ask me that question. It's going to 100% come down to matchups for those two teams. So it's hard for me to answer the question without knowing who they're going to play. And right now, that's wide open. Well, so let me go super quickly. I should have had this ready. But let's try and figure out where that's going to go. Because we know the Nets are going to, the Nets are most likely going to have to win two road games just to get into the playoffs. And I felt extremely confident I have been riding the Nets bandwagon this entire time. And they're starting to make even me worry at this point. So here we go. We got the Nets. They're going to have to, if everything were to go, well, right now they're tied with Charlotte. And they could end up with the tiebreaker they, of Atlanta. They, they could end up actually you know, sliding up a couple of spots. Into that eighth spot. By the time this is over, you get to eight. Now you just have to win one, one game. road game, and now you are the seven seed. And who knows who that means you get because Celtics, Bucks, Sixers are all basically in a dead heat for the two spot. Right. You got Miami two games clear of Boston, and then Milwaukee and Philly are a half a game back of that. Well, I, I can't even ask you that. We can't figure it out. And here's the, the thing: line is we can't figure. Here's it the out. thing: if Philadelphia, let's just say Toronto slid into five, and Philadelphia ended up four, and the Sixers have to play the Raptors in the first round, they refused to answer the question the other day about is everybody in your team vaccinated? I find that very interesting mm. to see what that would mean potentially going into Toronto, shorthanded, if that's the case, and we don't know who that could be. It's not Joel Embiid. But they, they refused to answer it. So did Boston. Well, Harden has to be. We know he's vaccinated. Harden is vaccinated. So there's somebody else. And look, on that team, All right. you're talking about their top seven. You can't really lose any of those pieces. I don't care if it's a defender, if it's one of your shooters. So that's an interesting setup for me. Not to mention, the fact, Toronto, for whatever reason, always plays Philadelphia tough. In Philly as well, they're just so confident when they play the Sixers. So that, to me, would be a very difficult series for Philly to get through, despite how good Joel Embiid has been. I just, I'm telling you right now, living there and doing sports talk radio there every single week talking about this team, they are incredibly nervous about what they're seeing right now and this pairing. And what, that, what does that mean going into the summer when Harden hasn't opted in yet? The Raptors, by the way, are right now in a flat-footed tie with the Bulls for five and six, and, and the Bulls have a tough game tonight against Milwaukee, which we'll have on ESPN. I could do this forever. Legs are the best. Thanks a million. Appreciate it, Green. So good to have you here, and we'll keep rolling this thing as we go through the, uh, through the playoffs here. Um, we will have, oh, the baseball season is starting. Oh, by the way, we're going to make the picks. Hembo's World Series champ is going to stun you. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like 
for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. All right, before I get to Hembo, we do have to allow Bubba to take center stage here. Uh, Bubs, we were speculating yesterday that your absence may have been due to your devastation at the loss that Coach K and your beloved Duke Blue Devils suffered on Saturday night. What what are your emotions now that your team lost? That loss went in the rearview mirror. Carolina goes out there last night and blows a 16-point lead in the championship game. Where is Bubba today? Yeah, definitely needed a day of mourning yesterday. Um, and, yeah, honestly, I just didn't think there was any chance it could happen. I just didn't think there was any possible way they were going to lose North Carolina. The entire game, it was close, and I just assumed, all right, well, they're going to figure it out. Because I, I just think there was there was no possible way that Coach K could go out that way. And it's just it's just unbelievable to think that in his last game now, we imagine that he lost to North Carolina. It's just it's it's embarrassing that actually would happen. I mean, the storyline was set up so perfect with North Carolina, and then they would have played Kansas, the team he first won his national championship against. And I just couldn't fathom that they actually were going to lose. And it's it's just unbelievable the bragging rights that North Carolina fans now have for essentially eternity. That like is there, right. there's nothing we can say. Like the fact that UNC lost last night is irrelevant. It means nothing. I mean, they won the game that matters for eternity. They beat Duke to end Coach K and his last game in Cameron, and they knocked him out of the biggest game in you know of of his last game. It's unbelievable. I just didn't think there was any chance it could happen, and the fact that it happened, it's still I'm dumbfounded that it actually happened. So, and, and he just walked off the court and is gone now. And UNC fans have bragging rights for the rest of their lives. That's correct. And I, I see it that way as well. But I want to get what's on your mind, which is brought to you by my computer career training for a better life, because I had a little bit of a fight with our beloved Jay Williams this morning on KJM, because yeah. Jay gets up this morning and he's posting happy dance videos on his Instagram story about Carolina losing last night. And he's like, all Duke fans right now is his little caption. And he was defended this morning, stunningly, by Max Kellerman and Keyshawn Johnson, which which took me aback. To me, there's no way in the world, if you are a Duke fan, it's, it's, it's all well and good that you were rooting against Carolina. That's fine. Right. But the idea that you are celebrating like your team won after they beat you Saturday night, I can't have that, Bubba. Please tell me you're not doing that. No, not at all. Obviously, I wanted Kansas to win and was happy it happened, but it, the last night was irrelevant. Duke had the chance to make it happen, and they blew it. North Carolina came in and won the game that mattered. What happened last night, What, for all intents and purposes, Saturday night was the national championship, yep. and Duke lost. There's nothing that can be said to change that. North Carolina won it, Duke lost, and for, for us to be celebrating that UNC lost last night, I mean, they're the eighth seed that they lost to the one seed. I mean, all right, I mean, we blew it. They had a chance, and they blew it, and I don't, I mean... I'm happy, thank God at least, that Kansas won. That makes it a little better, but still. like In in no way does this make it all erase the total disappointment and just embarrassment of losing for Coach K's last game where he just walks off now and just ends it, we imagine, 
and doesn't come back with that being his last game. But you keep I, I, I'm going to go to, to Hembo's baseball here, but I have to just follow up on that. Yeah. You keep saying we imagine. Do you think Coach K is coming back? I honestly don't, but I it's it's just so t- how it's just so tough to imagine leaving on that note. And now with the Nolan Smith thing with him leaving, I honestly do think he's just going to stay retired, but I got to imagine there's some part of it that he's I don't know. I mean, this know, is the danger it's, of it's, the year-long retirement celebration. No, I agree. I mean, I think if there's one thing that's we know for sure is that was a mistake. If was he doing had just the farewell said, tour. if he had just, if the season had just ended and he had said, I'm retiring and then changed his mind because of other circumstances, that's one thing. But when we had an entire year of saying goodbye to you, you cannot say, you know what? On second thought, I've changed my mind. I, I don't see him doing it. It would be too. Yeah, I, I don't think he will, but it, he, he almost should, but I don't think he will. I don't either. Okay, Bubba, our condolences to you. It is time now for my main man, Hembo, to take center stage with the progressive MLB snapshot. I'm ready to go right now. Green light, green light. with Greeny. I'm giving Hembo the green light, brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Bundle and protect today under one roof. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. This is that wonderful week on the sports calendar where you get the national championship that rolls into the start of the baseball season and the Masters, all of them captivating beyond belief. The NCAA tournament was fabulous. The Masters might very well involve Tiger Woods. We'll hear from him live in a half hour. And then we get the start of the baseball season. So Hembo is going to make his picks. And I'm telling you right now, no one knows more about anything than Hembo knows about baseball. Hembo start in the American League. Greeny, I like in the East, the Toronto Blue Jays. Not the Yankees, not the Red Sox. I like the Blue Jays to win the East. Why? I like the Blue Jays to win the East because they have a juggernaut of a young lineup. They have Vlad's kid who, uh, you know, MVP level play last season. They improved their team somehow while... You know, the rest of the division really did not. That team is absolutely stacked and headed in the right direction. How, if at all, are you factoring in the home field advantage they may have based upon any unvaccinated player? So let's just, I mean, I, I don't know who is and who isn't, but we certainly got the strong sense Aaron Judge, for example, isn't. Mm-hmm. So when the Yankees go to Toronto, in theory, Aaron Judge will not be able to play. He can't get into the country. That's right. That is probably going to affect... I don't know, tens of players in Major League, dozens of, I don't know how many players. For a team like the Yankees, it can only affect you so much because if you play in the division, you're going to go up there nine or ten times. If you don't, you're going to go up there three times. So it's not going to kill those teams. But for 81 games for the Blue Jays, that's a huge advantage. Right. Teams are playing shorthanded against the Blue Jays for half of the Blue Jays' schedule. It is, it is an enormous competitive advantage. And when you consider that team has had to play on the road the last two years because of COVID, I think there's something, there's some sort of justice <laughs> that comes with it. Okay, so you got the Blue Jays in the East. How about the Central? The White Sox are stacked, too. Another really, really good young team <laughs> with a really, really good old manager. Yeah, it's Tony La Russa. <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Uh, uh, in the West. I still like the Astros to win the West, despite the fact that Carlos Correa signed with the Twins. Justin Verlander is back. That team is loaded, and Vegas sees them as the favorite to win the American League. Okay, so we've got the Blue Jays, White Sox, and Astros as your division champs. I'll remind everyone, there will be six playoff teams in each league Starting now, so we need three wild cards. Who are they? I'm going to give you the Rays. The Rays are a behemoth. I'm going to give you the Red Sox. They improved their club a lot. 
this offseason after going to the championship series last year. And my surprise here, Greeny, is the Tigers. The Tigers were very active in the, uh, during the offseason, made some good signings, and have a great collection of young players. That is my sleeper team to sneak into the playoffs. Noticeably absent from that list are the Bombers who make their home in the Bronx. You were predicting the Yankees will not make the playoffs at all. That's because the Yankees aren't going to bomb. The Yankees last year finished 10th in the American League in runs scored, and their lineup is considerably worse today than it was last year this time. I think they had one of the worst off-seasons in all of baseball. They're going to finish fourth in their division, and I think they're going to miss out on the playoffs because that division is so competitive. Wow. 303 Products has your number with a full line of premium protectants and cleaners. They have everything you need to keep your car looking new longer. Let's go to the National League, starting in the East. The defending champion Braves are going to win the East again. And Greeny, they're going to win more games in the regular season this year than they did last year. Remember, they were below 500 at the trade deadline. They wound up winning the World Series, and even though Freddie Freeman is not back, they adequately replaced him. That team is absolutely stacked and ready for some more. The Central? I like Milwaukee again. They have the probably the best pitching staff front to back in all of baseball. And then is it the Dodgers out west? The Dodgers are so freaking good. They have yeah. three, potentially three Hall of Famers in the top third of their lineup. Kershaw's back. Bueller's back. They're going to pitch like crazy. They've won their division practically every year over the last decade. I don't see any way that stops now. Braves, Brewers, Dodgers win the divisions. Give me three wild cards. I like the Mets so long as Scherzer and DeGrom can pitch at all. I like the Cardinals because they're the Cardinals. And the Giants last year won more than 100 games. They'll regress some, but they're still making the playoffs. All right. Braves, Brewers, Dodgers with the Mets, Cardinals, and Giants. Who wins the pennants? Give me the AL and NL champs, and who wins the World Series? I like the Dodgers to win the National League pennant like everyone else does. They're just too good. And in the American League, Greeny, I like the White Sox. The Chicago White Sox I have winning the American League pennant. The team is loaded. There are, if you go up and down that lineup, there are no holes in the lineup, and most of those players are young. Keep in mind, this team has had the second best record in the American League over the previous two seasons while building to this point. This team is stacked, and they have... I think far and away the best bullpen in baseball. You, you, you give Tony La Russa those weapons. I think they're a perfect postseason team. Hmm. And so you've got the White Sox and the Dodgers in the World Series, and the champion will be? The Chicago White Sox, Greeny. The Chicago White Sox are going to become what the Chicago Cubs were supposed to be. The Chicago Cubs were supposed to be five years ago. They won the one championship. That's all they did. To me, what the White Sox are sort of embarking uh, upon here is a stretch of three to five years in which they're going to have a real chance to win the World Series every single year. And unlike those Cubs teams, they have the young bats, I think, that can develop into something great and a very winnable division to enable them to do that every single year. So there you have it. Hembo has the White Sox winning the World Series, so let it be written, so let it be done. Quickly, give me the MVPs and Cy Youngs. The the MVP of the American League, Luis Robert, the superstar center fielder for the White Sox. The National League MVP, I've got Trey Turner, the superstar shortstop for the Dodgers. He was traded there last year at the deadline. I have Shane Bieber, of the Cleveland Guardians winning the American League Cy Young. I mm. predict he'll strike out 300 batters this year. And in the National League, Walker Buehler's going to win at least 20 games for the Dodgers, and he's going to win his first career Cy Young award. Okay, so I love the picks, and that's extremely well done. Nuno, let me ask you a question. Which is going to be harder to get used to saying and hearing? The Cleveland Guardians or the Washington Commanders? Which of those, like when you just said Guardians, I know that their name is now the Guardians. They are no longer the Indians. But it took me a second. It took me. That is going to be a very, I'm sure all our friends in Cleveland are used to it because you're living in it moment by moment, day by day. Let me just tell you, for the rest of us, 
That one's going to take some getting used to. And then the Washington, it was a little easier to get used to the Washington football team because it's just, it's just, what else can you say? But the commanders, like Legler is a commanders fan, if you will. <laughs> and he comes in this morning and he's talking to all my football guys and he's like, yeah, I haven't seen the name commanders attached to any transactions. And again, it took me a second to realize who he's talking about. Nuno, which of those is going to be harder to get used to? Well, I'm going to add a third one. It's the way Hembo says one because it keeps agita- it's agitating. It's it not is. Juan. It's one. And it's just it. like Juan Soto. Like like one. Like every time you do that, Hembo, and I know you don't do it on purpose, but like Bubba and I just like. It's so annoying. It's so annoying. It is bro. annoying. I, I'm trying not to keep getting shut down into it, but you do. It's the worst. It is like, the worst. I want to walk out. Greedy, the Cubs won. One World Series. There's no way you really say that. All I the say time. it all the time. The Cubs. Uh, yeah, we know you World say it Series. all the time, and you got to stop. This is how it's pronounced. Look, if you won one, you won one. You didn't won one. You didn't won one, and you definitely didn't won one. No, you won one. You won one World Series. The Cubs won one World Series. What? what I don't know what's more ridiculous. A, that I followed everything you just said, or B, that you said it and believe it to be true. I believe it to be true. There's, you pronounce the word won, W-O-N, like they won the championship last night, the way most people pronounce the word Juan, like the Spanish first name, uh, J-U-A-N. That's how you say won. And candidly, it's awful. I mean, I'm telling you as your friend. You hate it. I hate it. Oh, it's the worst. I'm not the only one who hates it. This is why people shake nerds. Everybody hates it. It's, I mean, it's such a popular word in the sports, you know, in sports radio. So you say it all the time. All and, the time. And Nuno and I, every time we're back here, like, oh, my God, he said it again. It is. He, he said it again right there. He's got to stop with this. And we just want to just walk out and just smash our head against the wall. <laughs> it, 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 it makes me itch in places I can't reach to scratch. <laughs> That's how annoying it is. Okay, one way or another, they were good picks. Uh, As we continue, up next, we are going to solve baseball's extra innings quandary in a creative and, dare I say, brilliant way. Greeny, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. We're going to take Tiger Woods' uh, news conference, at least a little bit of it, 
live off the top of the hour here coming up in about 15 minutes because it'll be interesting to hear if he says he's planning to play. Um, he's out there. He has been out there on the course this morning. He looks pretty good. And I will just repeat quickly what I've been saying all week long. I don't think he decides to play just because he knows he can walk the course. I think he decides to play because he thinks he can compete. He thinks he can play well enough to actually be in it. So I believe if he plays Thursday, he makes the cut. Asking him to contend on Sunday, maybe that's too much to ask. But I believe if he plays Thursday, he makes the cut. We'll wind up seeing what winds up happening there. Okay. Uh, In the meantime, so there's a lot of people who seem to be very upset that baseball's extra innings rule is remaining in place, right? We're putting a, a runner at second to start extra innings. Now, let me ask you, Hembo, you are a baseball purist. Do you mind that rule? Yes, I mind it very much. Why do you mind it? Because it's tricked up. It's, 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 no, it's, it's no better than if you said after the game everyone was required to enjoy Italian ice because fun was had by all. It's not baseball. It's stupid. I hate it. Nuno, like or don't like the runner at second? Whatever speeds up the game, I'm all for it. Okay. So, but that's not a ringing endorsement for the runner at second to start the frame. I do because I think baseball has other more glaring issues that that is just like not something I'm going to lose sleep over like Hembo does. All right, that's damning with faint praise. How about you, Bubba? Do you like or not like the runner at second? Uh, I do not like it. Okay, so no one likes it. So some people will just point out problems. Not me. I look at things as they are, and and I I I don't just say why. I say why can't we make them better? And here's my solution. On this day, in 1919, so that's 103 years ago today, the Yankees had an outfielder named Ping Bodie. Ping Bodie on that day competed in a contest to see who could eat more spaghetti, himself or an ostrich named Percy. Bodie won the competition when Percy, the ostrich, passed out After its 11th plate of pasta. Here's my question. Which is more ridiculous? Putting a runner on second base to start an inning, or if a game is tied after nine, having a spaghetti eating contest between two selected players of the team or an ostrich of their choosing? (laughs) Which of those, Nuno, would be more? Think of the television ratings you could get. If we get an ostrich up there, let's say each team has an ostrich, like with the team. Uh, what does an ostrich actually look like? I'm trying to picture. I'm, I think I'm picturing a flamingo. What does an ostrich look like? like the really like, circular torso, the two, two legs, very fast. Like they're super fast. Maybe we could have an ostrich race if we want to. <laughs> and, and then maybe the ostriches have to run from like one foul line to the other and then eat a plate of pasta. Like, would that be more ridiculous to you, Bubba, than, um, than having a runner at second base? Uh, no, I think the runner on second's more ridiculous. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at a picture of an ostrich. That seems like that actually happened. Like in the <laughs> world in which we live, 103 years ago, there was a competition between a Yankee outfielder and an ostrich named Percy <laughs> to see who could eat the more spaghetti, and it ended when the ostrich passed out. <laughs> Can you imagine doing that today? Can you? There would be like it would be there. The world would be up in arms. But I could. I would be so excited to get to the tenth inning. <laughs> like I would be riveted. Like it, it could be the worst game ever. The crowd would be chanting Percy. <laughs> We want to see the ostrich eat the spaghetti. Well, let me ask you a question. What? what which food would you, th- you think you'd be able to eat like most 
voluminously. Like if you were in a contest to eat something, what could you eat the most of if your team depended on it? If an outcome of a game depended on it? Good question. Probably something cold. Like I'm, I don't, I don't, I would have a hard time stomachally. See, you're asking the wrong person because da- gastrointestinally, I'm, I am not a superstar. Let's put it this way: the ostrich would beat me. How many rounds, though? I don't know. I'm not getting through 11 plates of pasta before I pass out. I'll tell you that right now. You know the story about the colonic spasm into which I ventured that year when we had the spicy shrimp at four in the morning in San Diego. Um, so I'm going to say some kind of like ice creamy thing. Like I feel you could put a lot of ice cream in front of me and I would do okay before okay. something terrible happened. Like if you were really, really hungry, you could crush like a pint of ice cream. How much is a pint? Like a normal-sized container. Yeah, I could do that. You could do that. Okay. I could eat a pint of, of ice cream. That's but, not bad. But if you're eating a, a competitive eating contest, a pint is not going to get it done. Mm. I think Percy the ostrich could eat a pint of ice cream. Oh, easily. All right, let me ask a different question. And this could be one of the great transitions in the history of sports. If Tiger wins the Masters this weekend, is it the greatest comeback ever? I'm sorry to leave Percy the ostrich behind us, but that was a bit that had clearly run its course. <laughs> Nuno, if Tiger wins the Masters this Sunday, is it the greatest comeback in the history of sports? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Almost died. Well, it was December, right? So that's, I'm doing the math. Is that 15 months ago? It was seven. It was February, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, it was February. So 14 months ago. 14 months ago. Mm -hmm. 14 months ago, he's in a car accident that, if you look at it, could easily have killed him. He is incredibly fortunate to be alive. The initial reports coming out of the medical was that he might lose a leg. I don't in any way expect him to win the Masters on Sunday. But if he did, would it be the greatest comeback ever? I would think so. But I'm, I'm not putting it past him either. And the reason I'm not putting it past him is because I went back and looked at the context after Ben Hogan's uh, terrible car accident. Now, Hogan was 36 at the time. Tiger was 45 at the time of his accident. But Hogan uh, was back again playing 10 months later and won 11 tour events after the accident, including six of his nine major titles. Now, I don't think Tiger has almost any chance of doing anything approximating that, but it's Tiger freaking Woods, and I didn't think he would win before anyway, so I'm not putting it past him. All right, and and Bubba, I would come to you. The only other thing that comes to my mind is Alex Smith coming back and playing in the NFL after almost losing a limb, almost losing his life and then almost losing a limb. Does anything else come to mind, Bubs? this, This, to me, would be the greatest comeback ever. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the Alex Smith is unbelievably impressive. Um, it's a but, more dangerous sport. Yeah, but, I mean, he just he played. He didn't necessarily win anything, if you're telling no. me. I mean, Tiger just coming back to play, honestly, would be impressive enough. And yep. if you tell me, because we didn't think he could even walk again. I mean, and if you're telling me he wins, Is he going to play? That's the question. Maybe he answers it himself. We will take his press conference live in a few minutes here on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Plus. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.